I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Rocky Roads. We've a bit of a rewind episode today for you, but we're also looking forward to an exciting 2022. I'm Kevin Byrne, and I'm joined today by my old friend David Mohan from the Belfast Media Group, who, like me, was living the dream this time five years ago. We were in Las Vegas for the second meeting of Carl Frampton and Leo Santa Cruz. The summer before, the Jackal had ripped the WBA World Featherweight title from Leo's grasp to become a two-way world champion. Frampton's on fire was the sound of the summer. Or uh, Will Grigg or Shane Long, take your pick. By, by January 2017, another exodus occurred, and this time thousands of Frampton fans headed for Sin City, Mohan and myself among them, to report for our respective newspapers. Frampton was on top of the world. His glorious 2016, with victories over longtime rival Scott Quigg and then Santa Cruz, led to him being named, uh, among others, Ring Magazine Fighter of the Year, putting him up there with names like Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao and Andre Ward, who'd all who'd all won the award in the previous 10 years. Dave, it had been some journey to that point, headlining at the MGM Grand. I recall seeing him win the seniors at the National Stadium eight years previously, and you'd been there for pretty much all of his pro career to date. Yeah. Indeed, it was quite a journey, really, wasn't it? Um, I suppose when you kind of first get into boxing a bit, you kind of sat up all throughout the night watching Tyson, Delahaye, Mayweather fighting the MGM Grand Arena, and all of a sudden there you are sitting at ringside one of your own, topping the bill, not even just as a, a challenger and a wing and a prayer, but the main man, the star attraction. It was surreal, I think. Extra special when it's somebody you kind of maybe know from, you're from Belfast, not too far away from Carl or for myself, when it's someone I've seen boxing the amateurs and then I'm seeing them box on the, the biggest stage, the world title level, that kind of has a special feeling to report on for me personally. Oh, absolutely. It, it really does. You think of... Those nights fighting down the undercard in the Paul McCluskey show against Giuseppe Lowry, I think Fuddy and Bailey that night, you know, just as a few whispers around the town, is this guy going to make it? Then, of course, topping the bill in the Ulster Hall and um, going out into a cold night and think it might be a world title in this guy, but did you ever really think you were you're going to be sitting ringside of probably one of the most iconic boxing arenas in the world? Well, Speaking of cold nights, we saw him win. <laughs> September yeah. 2014, we saw him win the world title the first time Um beating Kiko Martinez. Everybody froze their nuts off that night, but um, we expect him to win. He'd beaten Kiko Martinez before, and it felt like a, a rifle coronation. And there was, there was big, it felt like there was bigger and better out there for Frampton that night as well. Like, I mean, he, he'd beaten a guy he'd beaten before. He'd finally become world champion, but back of the mind, you know, I remember afterwards in the press conference, 
people already asking Frampton, so who who next? And what about the likes of and Santa Cruz's name was being brought up and and other big names and oh when are you gonna fight Scott Quigg? I think I remember Shane Shane McGuigan trying to dampen it down and say, just let Carl enjoy this achievement. And that's not the nature of things. That's not the way it's going to go. This is this is a press conference. This isn't a celebration. I've seen press conferences uh, even last week in Belfast for the Michael Conlon and Lee Wood one where Eddie Hearn told the people in the room, probably more well-wishers and fans, but told everyone to kind of to applaud Quivina Giarco. And as much as the press have affection for these fighters, you're not going to sit there and be told, don't ask your questions, applaud, you know, applaud, yeah. uh, you know, that's not the way it works. Definitely not. No. Um, yeah, you're quite right. You know, you think back that night at Titanic and there was a bit of pressure in Frampton, the purpose built arena, haven't beaten him before. Everybody thought he's absolutely going to win this. And, you know, it supposed to show a lot of mental kind of toughness to be able to perform with kind of everything really on your shoulders that night. And yeah, you're right. You know, um, I remember the post-fight interview, I think on, on TV at the time and, and Quig came up and, you know, we've got the real belt and Quig, you've got this paper title and that whole, uh, <laughs> that old rivalry had, had begun long before that. Even actually for Keiko Warren, I remember Quig being ringside back then. Quig was a British champion at the time. Um, but it was such a long and winding road to really get to the Scott Quig fight. But it was it was a massive night. If you remember the Titanic, it really was. Um, it was everything you sort of believed that Fratton could get his hands on a world title. And right enough, there it was. And you thought, you know, where, where's this going to lead to? Because there were so many big fights out there. Yeah, I remember having kind of, I nearly had my doubts when Barry was shouting out uh, Leo Santa Cruz's name. Santa Cruz was doing a lot of the good things that Frampton was doing. He's doing them stateside. He was coming up the weights. He was impressing in every fight. He was, um, maybe he wasn't showing the same versatility that Carl, that Carl showed. And that could have been maybe Carl's downfall in the rematch. But Santa Cruz was, you know, winning fans and winning admirers. And I never really had any doubt that Frampton would be Scott Quigg. I'm sh- did you? No, not really. I just he always thought that yeah, Fram just had more ways to win. He was a better boxer. He could adapt. He could he could do different things. The counter punching and Quig wasn't a really good role at the time. You remember he blasted out Kiko in the previous fight in two rounds, but mm. it was really pressure fight. It was big bombs and it was kind of pressure. And he thought Fram was going to be too smart for him. He, he just his feet his footwork was too good. He'd be able to get in out of dodge. You'd expect Quig to have his moments as he did late in that fight, but um as it sort of played out, I think, hard most of his kind of thought. You could see the doubts creep in when Frampton went down a couple of times when he fought in El Paso, and that helped the Scott Quigg fight get made. So, um, Oh, yeah, it, it did, really. It sort of made that Quigg fight. It probably made the Santa yeah. fight, too, because you ever watched back Santa Cruz and the father sit in front and center at ringside, and <laughs> they were probably thinking, you know what, this guy's vulnerable. We'll yeah. take him. And there's a blessing in disguise, maybe that night, a very below power performance from Frampton and uh, touching down twice early, um, yeah. even though it turned out to be a pretty comfortable win. But uh, yeah, to really open the door to some massive nights. So as privileged as Rocky Road listeners are this week to be joined by the, the exceptional David Mohan from Belfast Media Group, <laughs> looking around, looking over his shoulder. I can also <laughs> I can also say that I'm delighted I was joined by Leo Santa Cruz this week for a chat on the five-year anniversary of a second fight with Carl Frampton. The summer previously, Frampton took his O. Then five years ago, he took Frampton's O. They had 24 brilliant rounds of boxing. You know, it swung one way, it swung the other. Uh, judges given draws, you know, tight, tight cards. Uh, swung back and forth. So we're going to send you on over to listen to that interview with Leo Santa Cruz, and uh, we'll, we'll chat about it afterwards. How are you doing, Leo? 
I'm doing great. Just finished training and I'm getting ready for this fight. I'm ready and excited to get back in the ring. Yeah, you're you're back again on the Feb- February the fifth in Las Vegas. The yeah. comeback is on. How tough yeah. has it been to get over uh, a, like a, a a brutal knockout loss? It was di- a difficult one, one punch knockout, Javante Davis. A uh, difficult night for you. Yeah, no, it was a very difficult night. Uh, I still can't believe how he beat me. You know, uh, I never been knocked out or anything like that. So it was really you know hard. But the fans, they brought me back up. They lifted me. They brought me hope. And you know, thanks to the fans. I came back stronger and I'm going to come out there and give a great show like I always do. Yeah. Did you just overextend yourself going up against a bigger man, do you think, who's got obviously such good uh, punch power and knockout power or else did you just take your eye off the ball to get caught with those punches? Which would you... Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, uh, I think I just got confident. You know, I got... Uh, I was too confident. The first few rounds, I was banging with him and he wasn't hurting me. So I was like, oh, he's not hurting me so I could stay there with him. And I just didn't listen to my corner. I should have throw my combinations and move. And but you know, I wanted to entertain the fans. I wanted to go back and forth and you know give a battle. But that's where I paid the you know the price. I got caught with a good shot. He has power and he caught me and you know he knocked me out. Yeah, well, this is it. You uh, throughout your career, you've enjoyed a toe to toe war. I want to discuss yeah. t- tonight. Uh, I'm delighted to get the opportunity to speak with you. Um, the couple of fights you have with Carl Frampton. I'll, I'll start off with fight one. Uh, fame, it's a very famous night for Irish boxing because mm-hmm. as boxing performances go and away wins go, Carl Frampton beating Leo Santa Cruz in mm-hmm. 2016 in Brooklyn is, is really one of the top wins. And it was a tight yeah. fight. And yeah. uh, what do, what's your recollection of that night uh, and, uh, you know, your performance, how the fight went? What, what, what do you think of when you think of that fight? No, I think, you know, uh, it was no hard and I lost. It was my first defeat. Mm. And, you know, Carl Frampton's a great fighter, great person. You know, he deserved it. He went out there and he did what he had to do. It was a close fight. You know, the end, the, be- the better man won. And, you know, it was something unforgivable because, you know, the fans, the support, I love all that. You know, the Irish fans, they're lovely. You know, they show the support. And I like that. You know, the atmosphere was great. And, you know, just believing that it's a great, you know, experience for me and something that I will always remember. And, you know, it's just something great because not only fans were there during him, but he did where, you know, they showed me support too after all and, you know, it was a really great night. Yeah, um, like the fight didn't go your way in the end. One judge had it a draw, uh, another judge had a 117-111 and it was 116-12. But you fought like you had a fire kind of lit under your ass because you threw over a thousand punches that night. <laughs> and uh, maybe it was just Frampton was evasive enough to make you miss. He threw fewer punches. Yeah but yeah. just was a bit more effective with his landing. Uh, you know, how did you feel the tactics went that night? Yeah, no, yeah I think, you know, uh, from the tactics, yeah, they surprised me a little bit. Uh, I couldn't really catch him. I couldn't hit him. And he was really sleek and everything. He, he made it more difficult than I, what I thought, what I expected. And I think I, I didn't fight the fight that I was supposed to fight. But, you know, like I said, you know, in the rematch, that's where we learned from those mistakes mm-hmm. and we improved in the rematch. Yeah, because it was a difficult time for you personally at the time. I remember your, fa- your yeah. father was ill. Yes. Yeah, my father was going through cancer. He wasn't in the gym with me 100%. He was mostly in the hospital or going to, to, um, to chemo and stuff like that. So I, I, I wasn't really concentrated for that fight. I didn't take the perfect game plan like my dad always told me. And, but, you know, it was something that we went through. You know, I take nothing away from Carl Frampton. He's a great fighter, a great champion, and he deserved it. How's your father doing now? Oh, my dad right now, he's doing great, thank God. 
Uh, he's doing right now. He's in remission. He's coming here to the gym, training, and he's hanging in there. He's sometimes good day, sometimes bad day, but the good thing is that he's still with us. That's good. Yeah, that's great to hear. Um, it wasn't long until you set up the rematch Las Vegas. I was lucky yes. enough to make it over to that one. Um, yes. the, the year Frampton had in 2016, it was a remarkable year of success for him. Yes. Previous to beating you, he'd beaten uh, Scott Quigg and he, he got yes. named Fighter of the Year um, kind of by yes. ESPN, Ring Magazine. And he took your he took your O, you know, and uh, yes. you're fighting him now in Las Vegas. Did you... How did you feel going into that fight? How determined were you? And your dad was back in camp, I remember, at the time, and you seemed quite serene. Uh, but how, do you remember how you felt going into the fight? Into, into the fight, yeah, you know, I was a little bit, uh, you know, not 100% there. Uh, like I said, you know, my dad wasn't able to be in camp with me and everything. And, you know, but he, he was there, thank God, that's what I wanted the most. Because for a couple of sometimes I thought that maybe he wasn't even going to be there in the fight with me because... I didn't know if he was going to be okay or if he was even going to be alive because, you know, he was going through a bad time. So mm -hmm. I was, you know, not really concentrating the fight. But like I said, you know, I take nothing away from Carl Frampton. He did a great fight and we fighter. But going into the rematch, uh, oh, he's, ta he's, he's taking your zero. Did you, were yeah. you fully confident that you'd win the rematch or had doubt, had doubt crept in because Frampton had beaten you now once? Yeah, no, going into the rematch, I wanted to go out there and, you know, get my revenge. I wanted to beat him. I know how to train better for this fight. And I know it's going to be a hard fight, but I said, if I do everything, what I ha how I have to do it, how I train, I know I could beat him. And that's what we did. You know, we went into the fight looking for revenge. We went out there, did the perfect game plan. And at the end of the day, we got the victory and we got our belt back. Was it easier to train hard knowing that you kind of owed him one, or did you feel did you feel that you owed him one? Is there anything personal in a in a rematch after someone's taken your you know taking your perfect record away from you? No, that's really nothing personal. You know, Carl Frank is a great guy, great person, great family man, and there was nothing personal going into the fight. I just wanted to get my you know my revenge. I wanted to, I knew I could beat him. I knew I had what it takes to to beat him, and I just wanted to prove that. I wanted to go out there and. Yes, prove that I have what it takes to get my belt back. Yeah. Five years ago this month, that fight took place. It's mad yeah. to think of. Yeah, I know a long time ago, you know, it was a great fight. Something I will remember. Great atmosphere, great fans, you know, all the support from Ireland and everything. It was really great. Yeah, he had an incredible crowd come over, all right, Jim. Yeah. He kind of took over the MGM Grand. Did you, yeah. you didn't find, did you find it intimidating the the Frampton Army in the uh, in the building? Because you didn't yeah. fight it, you didn't fight intimidated. But did you did you enjoy the fight week? Did you enjoy the banter with the fans? Or yeah, the, the two, yeah, you know, actually, I, I enjoyed it. You know, I enjoyed the screaming. I love that song that they sing and the atmosphere that they bring. I loved it. You know, it, it, I I wish I could have you know like those fans that stream for me like that and they came and gave me other support like those fans you know it was really great and something that any fan any fighter would love to have yeah did you feel that you were unfairly painted as maybe a come forward volume puncher because in in the rematch you threw fewer punches i think 884 is a total count mm -hmm. below your 12 round average quite a bit below your 12 round average mm -hmm. but you beat frampton to the jab uh quite a lot and you'd kind of got the final say in the flurries as well. And you were deserving winner. One judge had it a 114 draw. Um, I think it was 115 twice, 115, 113 twice. Frampton gave you your dues afterwards and said, yeah, the right man won. Uh, how, yeah. how did you change? How did you change? What did you do? Because like Frampton going into the fight is the tact was, 
almost painted as a tactical fighter. He could win every which way. He could go forward. He could throw bombs. He could he could move on the back foot. But you might have been painted as maybe a little bit more one dimensional. But you showed quite a lot of strengths to the bow that night. Yeah, of course. Like you know, I have always said it that I like to go forward. You know, I like to go forward and throw a lot of punches. But I knew that for this fight, I couldn't do that. You know, because Carl Franklin had shorter hands. He was gonna be landing the better shot right there if we were close because he's shorter. So that wasn't gonna, that wasn't gonna work for me. So my dad told me, you know, you could beat him with one two from the outside, keep it from the outside, use your distance, throw less punches, but make them count. And that's what we tried to do. We we threw less, we made them count, and we used our distance. We kept them from the outside, and that's how we were gonna win. After the fight, um, I remember in the MGM press room. All the talk was of the trilogy, maybe Belfast, maybe back in New yeah. York, Los Angeles. You had the power, you had the belt again. Yeah. Why do you think it never happened? Are you disappointed it didn't? Obviously, Frampton has since retired. Yeah, no, you know, I was disappointed. I, I was pushing for the third fight. I said, I want it. You know, matter if I go up there in Ireland, uh, I would love to go out there because, you know, the fans are really great. I love that atmosphere and I don't care. I'll go up there and, and fight. And But, you know, the teams, I don't know. The promoters, they couldn't make the fight happen. But me, I wanted a fight. I want, I was pushing for it. But at the end of the day, it didn't happen. I know that people from over there think it was me that I didn't want to. But me, I was pushing for it. But it didn't happen. Didn't happen. For me, I would love it. And if the, he came back, I would still love to give him the third fight. Yeah. Do you think Carlos heading to the Hall of Fame? And do you think you are? I, I think Carl Family, yeah, he deserved to go into the Hall of Fame. You know, he's a great Irish fighter from over there. He's one of the best out there and that Ireland has given. So I think he deserves to go in the Hall of Fame. And he did a lot of great things. He beat me, you know, he beat a lot of great fighters, so he deserved it. And me, hopefully, God, you know, the fans, they, they think I deserve to. And hopefully, I'm going to keep working hard to uh, they could put me in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, because I want to talk about the future. You're st- mm-hmm. You've uh, you fought at different divisions, but you're st- uh, mm-hmm. something that's occupying the thoughts of Irish boxing fans at the minute yeah. is your status as a WBA super Featherweight yeah. champion. Now that the world title is going to be contested by um, Lee Wood, who beat Kanzu uh, and Michael Conlon, another Belfast boxer. And there's talk that you're going to be stripped of the super title, or you're going to not going to fight at featherweight again. Or there is also talk that you're going to be next in line to fight the winner of Conlon against uh, Lee Wood, which takes place on March 12th in Nottingham. Where do you stand on the whole thing? Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I talked to the WBA. They said that they're still going to keep me as the WBA champion, and they said that. If I win this fight, then I have to face the winner of Conan and Welsh. And I say, yeah, you know, I'm willing to do that. Whoever wins from that fight is going to be my mandatory and we're going to face each other. You're going to go for that because you've also spoken yeah. about fighting maybe Oscar Valdez and Gary yeah. Russell Jr. But is it a priority for you to fight the winner of Conan Wood? Yeah, that, that's my main thing right now, to fight the winner of Conan and, and Welsh. And... If nothing, if that don't happen, then I'll, I'll look for other fights like against Valdez or stuff. But right now, my main one is the winner of Walsh and Conan. Yeah. Who do you think is going to win? And if Conan wins, would you fight him in Belfast? Uh, the, the truth, the fight is really great fight. They're both great fighters. But I think I give a little bit of edge to Conan. I think he's, you know, he's, he wants it more. He's hungrier. He comes with everything. He comes to fight. And of course, you know, I'll go to, to Ireland. But, you know, we have to talk to my team and they had to agree to send me over there. But if it was something, like I said, if it was up to me, I'll go over there. Fingers crossed. You get a great reception, Leo Santa Cruz, because uh, you've got a lot of fans and admirers in Ireland. Um, I thank you for your time tonight, joining us on the Rocky Road. It's been a pleasure. Best wishes in your comeback fight. Thank you, man. You too. 
Dave, what do you make of what uh, Leo Santa Cruz is saying? He he gives Fram, Frampton plenty of props anyway for his performance in the first one. And the way he makes that first fight sound, it's like he's not reflecting on a sad night in his career at all. He's kind of saying, yeah, I really enjoyed the occasion. I enjoyed all the fans there. I know you were there and you you know really enjoyed it as well. Yeah. It did, yeah. Um, oh, oh, what a fight that was. It was just absolutely breathtaking. There's, there was a massive run, if you remember, back in uh, January. Or sorry, that summer, there was some absolutely huge fights. And that Frampton Santa Cruz won. It, it exceeded expectations. I, I was a really big fan of Leo, really, throughout his career. That all-action style throws average about 100 punches per round. He thought with um, Frampton style, it would just mesh so well and, and so approved. Um, remember chatting to Frampton, actually, just before we travelled out to New York for that fight. And just, what's the plan here? It's your first fight up at featherweight. You're coming off the back of the Quig win, where people thought you maybe gassed a bit down the stretch. You're going to have to keep up with this guy who just Duracell bunny. Says the plan is hit him hard, hit him early, and uh, let him know that that I can bang. And you know that really was a massive turning point, even very early in that fight when Quig or Santa Cruz staggers back under the ropes, and it really took Leo a few rounds to really kind of rediscover himself almost around the middle rounds where he started to maybe kind of nick rounds again and and had a pretty good second half of the fight, but. Frampton had just built such a, a lead early in the cards. And yeah, it was a thrill and back and forth. You remember the end of that 12th round where that was just, it was, it was like a bar fight. Yeah. The two of them uh, just tore into each other and final bell, big smiles all around. But I suppose if, um, yeah, from Santa Cruz, it was a really tough time in his life, obviously. The father was dealing with cancer and maybe just having him back in the corner and things seemed to settle down a bit, you know, in a way that it can understand why maybe it was sort of semi-enjoyable. Yeah, because he kind of says about Frampton in the first fight, he almost underestimated him. Frampton was better than he expected he would be, and he didn't think he had that many strings to his bow, which I guess Frampton makes the same mistake in the rematch because he he probably thought, I've, I've seen Leo all his career, we've watched him, we've seen him do one thing, and we know what he's going to do in the in the in the second fight, and we're going to find a way to negate that first. Because like Leo throws Leo throws a thousand punches in that in that first fight. It's just Frampton makes a miss, and when you make a guy miss, even if you throw as he did, I think um, you know three hundred and fifty shots fewer or something like that. He still Frampton still did enough to win that fight quite clearly. One judge had it a draw, the other two had it to Frampton. I never heard anyone complaining that Santa Cruz should have won that fight. I think most people had it. Uh, Frampton's a worthy two way champion. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think I kind of trying to think back to McCard. I think I maybe had Frampton maybe won 16, won 13. I think he gave one of the rounds. Maybe the first round was quite even. Um, a lot of punches thrown, but not a lot landed really. But yeah, I think everybody around was expecting Frampton to get the nod. But when he got that first drawn card, and I remember the, it was over on a Thursday, the press conference before that fight, and Leo was, you know, he was the golden boy of the whole promotion. Um, Corona Beer, they were sponsoring the event, and they released these specially um, custom-made bottles they were selling, actually, with Leo's face on them, and you're thinking, oh, no, they've given Frank <laughs> a card here. But I think one of the cards, 117, 111, you thought, oh, no, they're giving us a Santa Cruz, and I was kind of expecting, I'm the new, and the and still, when I heard I'm the new, it was... So Leo is the face of Corona. Is that the press conference where, or is that the time, the training camp where uh, Frampton became the face of Bucky? I think you you picked up that bit. Did you? Is that right? Yep, that's the one. That's the very <laughs> one. Actually, yes. Um, Ellie Secback, I think, asked him, how are, you, how are your fans all going to stay awake all night to watch the fight about four in the morning Irish time? And yeah, <laughs> have you ever heard of Buckfast? <laughs> <laughs> a lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, like it's one of the high points for Irish boxing of, of the decade and, and of many decades because like for me, Frampton was at that stage the biggest fight, the biggest fighter in like my life as a journalist. You know, he his fights were the biggest events in Irish boxing. And if ever you're going to be sent abroad on a major fight, it was probably going to be for Carl Frampton. I remember going over to, to Andy Lee's first world title defense, which actually didn't turn out to be a world title defense. But like even when when Lee fought in Las Vegas, I don't think there was to to beat Karabov or yeah, yeah, Karabov for the world title in December of 2014. I don't think there was a single Irish journalist at that fight. And most of the Sunday newspapers didn't carry previews. Now, we carried a lot of copy, a lot of previews. We we interviewed Andy. We wrote about it a lot. Or or I did. Anyway, I know I did. But others didn't cover it, didn't go. And I remember a lot of the quotes from Andy Lee afterwards were ripped from one of the video camera guys who was out there, you know, from an English website. And that was kind of the extent of what Andy Lee got. But when Carl Frampton was out in Las Vegas in 2017, it was quite different. You were out there. I was out there. There was a bunch of people from Britain. Yeah. And there was a good few from Ireland as well, like a good few of our colleagues. And I think that was the high point of the Carl Frampton career, going out to headline in, uh, in Las Vegas. That's what goes up must come down. But that was that was the top of the seesaw, wasn't it? Oh, it absolutely was. It was that 2016 year you mentioned. Um, ended up with uh, Fighter of the Year. Um, with Ring Magazine, it doesn't really get any bigger than that. Mm. And rematch, everybody was was so eagerly anticipated because the first fight was so good. You're going to the MGM Grand as the champion. You know, you're not as I mentioned earlier, you're not going over there in a wing and a prayer as as the opponent. You know, this massive outsider. You're you're the main man. You're the you're the A side, as we heard a lot about in those years. Mm. Um, but oh God, it, I hate that phrase. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was. It, you're absolutely right. It was the pinnacle. It was incredible. Five thousand or so fans travelled across. I mean, that's huge numbers. Just a couple of weeks after Christmas, um, it was amazing. Really, when you think about it, the MGM Grand. You've got a guy kind of coast to coast in America, this massive superstar, and it really showcased them. Um, it was a massive shot in the arm really for Irish boxing too. You know, because all of a sudden, all these people kind of or um, other professional fighters are thinking, Do you know what, he's fighting the MGM Grand. Why can't I do that as well? And mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's really helped the scene massively as well. We're kind of getting the knock-on effect from it now. But um, yeah, in terms of Fram's career, I mean, how could it possibly get bigger than that? Yeah, because I mean, we're gonna we're gonna skip to the immediate future in a couple of minutes. But like, yeah, but in, inside a year or two, Ryan Burnett had a world title, and now Michael Conlon, and just a couple of, five years later, is just about to fight for one as well. 
Um, but yeah, that that fight in Las Vegas, I I remember, I remember get, getting the plane over and going through U.S. customs, and they said, "Where are you going?" I said, "I'm going to the fight." And your mom's like, "Oh, I love that guy." I was <laughs> like, "Oh wow, Frampton's really come through." But he was talking about Conor McGregor, and, <laughs> and I said the same kind of thing. I, I I started testing people then. I started getting into taxi cabs and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, you're from Ireland," and. You got who's fighting? I was like, ah, oh, just, just there's an Irish fighter fighting it on Saturday at the MGM Grand. Oh, is that that Conor McGregor guy? And it was McGregor fever, but that's not to say that Frampton wasn't a big draw. And you know, headlining at the MGM Grand, like you say, was was enormous. And the, and the amount of fans over there and friends of ours that we've met through the scene, the excitement, the buzz in the town uh, was palpable. It was, it was, it was a very special week. Um, yeah, I was, I mean, every everywhere you went, it was just accents from home it was really really bizarre um sitting there like you know you know yourself like i suppose if i was in vegas actually for mayweather pacquiao a couple of years before and i suppose you're kind of maybe the only irish person or maybe a handful of cross but um sitting in the mgm the day of the weigh-in everybody's kind of making their way into um that afternoon and it was just accents really from home which was yeah. quite surreal really it was but um yeah the buzz even in the arena like weigh-in day it was an event on its own it was, it was great crack already kind of piled out of that the bars were packed um it, it was just nuts <laughs> i think actually if you remember hearing a story the day of the fight of course be it our time difference to vegas a lot of people a few well not a lot some kind of got caught out they thought it was a typical 10 30 11 o'clock at night um start and they were kind of making their way to the arena as everybody's leaving because of course it was an 8 p.m opening bell yeah yeah that's the that's a horror story i nearly had one myself um I think we, we we landed on the Monday and, and started getting to work, you know, getting the getting the week's features and getting the week's bits together. And finally, I think uh I can't blame you for this, but we I think we finally had a night out on the Wednesday and finally bang the uh the jet lag hit. And I remember sheepishly arriving at the press conference and David Mohan going, It's over, mate. It's <laughs> I was like, Oh man. Now the one to ones just started and I missed the I missed the top table, but I can't really stand the top table golf anyway. So no. you know, it wasn't the end of the world. Definitely not. No, it's you know yourself now, top table is just uh it's it's kind of a formality. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do the real park, we'll do the real stuff now. Um but yeah, um yeah, that day I suppose you had all the great and the good really of boxing as well. Like my flight over was actually Carl Frotch and um, Adam Smith were actually on it. Um, I saw that they were up in the power seats up above me, like, but I was kind of standing behind them waiting for a cab to the hotel. I think I landed on the Wednesday, asking about the fight, and um, oh yeah, do you know they from the first fight they thought yes, Frotch was going to do the same thing again. They're going to have the same sort of performance. I'm not sure Santa Cruz can adapt and adjust, but um, alas, it turned out he could. Yeah, that was the big thing. That was the big miscalculation everybody seemed to make. Frampton has Frampton can do it each way. He can box differently and still win. But but last time Santa Cruz did everything he could. He threw a thousand punches. What else can he do to beat Carl Frampton? The only real I'm not saying that the only real prediction anyone ever gave that was that Frampton will win more conclusively. But I remember Frampton's team seriously doubting that Leo Santa Cruz could do anything differently at all. And they would have been shocked. And I don't know how shocked Carl would have been that Santa Cruz was so much better on the second night. He was more conservative, but he was far more accurate with his jabs. He was he was he was having the final say in exchanges. And Frampton fought differently as well. And and I remember wondering, I thought he was shaping a bit, right? 
in, during the fight and he'd just been named fighter of the year and like such an incredible accolade like you know like I said in the intro you know you're following in the footsteps of it was Tyson Fury the previous year Kovalev before that but just in the decade previously it had been you know Mayweather 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 Pacquiao 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 and you know you've, be, you've cemented your name as a legend and I just felt like Frampton went out there and he kind of was fighting it felt like to me like he almost believed the hype instantly. And that's not that's probably not fair in him. I think he was I think he was doing his level best to win. And he and he, he almost did. You know, one judge gave it a one judge gave it a draw, and the other two judges had him just two points behind. So it was a close tight fight. But I just felt like maybe he gave Leo an opportunity to get the jump on him. Maybe the way Santa Cruz gave him the opportunity to get the jump on him. And maybe just the first two or three rounds, he was just feeling Leo out or something like that. And he just got he just got caught a couple of times, and it maybe set the story of the fight. And he just couldn't catch up. And it was it was it was also a thing like he just as the fight went on, and it felt like this this fight is getting away from Frampton. He just didn't really seem to have the ability to to turn it, which yeah. was I guess for me, you know, like the seesaw, like as high up as Frampton can go. I felt like wow, you know, he hadn't lost at this stage, and he almost felt invincible. And every fighter feels invincible until they lose. And I was just, I remember kind of the dawning realization in rounds, maybe 9, 10, 11. He's not going to be able to turn this around and he is actually going to lose for the first time. Yeah, I think in the corner of the arena, you saw the showtime, the really unofficial card at one point, and just noticed they had Santa Cruz very far ahead, really, maybe after eight. And you're thinking, Fram's got to fight the perfect fight here, really, for the last third. He's got to pick up everything to um, give himself a chance in the cards. And I think, to be fair, he did have a couple of decent rounds, maybe nine and ten. But then Santa, as you say yourself, Santa Cruz just finished strong in that 12th round. It really was was massive. The exchange is whenever Santa Cruz did step in and have those kind of far those wee flurries, um, he was getting the better of them. I mean, you think back even they had the Belfast press conference, the announced that the rematch, and even then I remember him saying, We're going to box, we're going to box more, we're going to use our jab, we're going to use our range. And Team Frampton at the time, they were like, oh, he can't, he can't possibly fight any other way. He mm. that's what he does, but did a double? Was it a double bluff or did Leo just say, "Here's my game plan. Can you beat me at this game?" And it, maybe they weren't clearly weren't prepared for that, but they should have been. Um, Frampton's admitted as much um, since. But uh, yeah, even could he have beaten him at that? Because Santa Cruz was so clever. He just used his that his length. I mean, he's a big, skinny guy, much um, taller, longer, and he just used those. He boxed very well, and and from those flurries, he was able to stand out and just find the mark with with a couple of shots. It just those a lot of those rounds were quite close, if you remember. Yeah, they were. They were. Yeah, they were very close. Yeah, it's always like the last 10, 15 seconds. It kind of exploded into life, and it was Santa Cruz was having just the better success. Right, yeah. they, they caught the judges' eyes, and really that decided it. I remember, like, yeah, and, and one press event that I didn't miss was the post fight, you know, and uh, yeah. it was just trilogy talk. It was where, where's the trilogy going to take place? And I guess Frampton was saying, "Well, I've come to America twice. So I wanted to be in Belfast." Um, and Leo was like, well, I think I would like to go to Belfast also. But everyone was like, he's talking crap. This is oh. going to be in Los Angeles and Frampton's going to have to do it again. But like, I mean, you wouldn't have been backing against Frampton too strongly had the rematch taken place within six to nine months or, you know, even given the year. But, you know, it's it's, just, it's a real pity it never happened because yeah, that was, you know, we just don't know who would have won. Like. Frampton deserved to win the first. Santa Cruz deserved to win the second. Judges had each of them a draw, and then you know what I mean. They were neither yeah. neither were con- very conclusive, but they were just shaded by the rightful winner. So it's just it's just a pity we didn't get to see the trilogy. 
definitely was. And you think, you know, Leo made the adjustments um, in the second fight mm. and thinking, can Frampton make adjustments now in a third one? And it's kind of returned to serve almost, you know. Um, and yeah, you're, I remember actually that night after the fight, after the press conference, I ran back to my room to jump off la- or drop off a laptop and head it back into the MGM. And there was a guy, as a member of Santa Cruz's team, he'd all the official gear on him. I get chatting, he's like, oh, congratulations, well done, your win tonight. He's like, oh, great fight. It was like, well, are you coming to uh, Belfast then for the third fight? He goes, well, I could tell straight away, it was, well, if the money's right, then this, that, the other. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah. Um, I'll be very surprised if we see him Santa Cruz in Belfast again. Um, well, we never know. Um, you never know. He said he says on the on the clip that you've all just heard now that uh, he's he's willing to do it. He'll fight Michael Conlon if Conlon's the winner of the Lee Wood fight. He'll come to Belfast. He wants to do it, but it sounds like much more of the same. You know, I yeah. would like to do it as a life experience, but it's kind of like me saying to the family, "Oh yeah, we'd like to go to Lapland." Yeah, of course, my wife yeah. doesn't listen to the show, but <laughs> it's probably never going to happen. That's <laughs> you in the lotto. Like. The dog wants to go to Lapland. There you go. Um, but, uh, part of the reason why it was given anyway that uh, he couldn't come to Belfast was visa issues. I think with the father and, and things like that too, maybe played a part. But I don't think there was any real prospect of him coming to Windsor Park to defend his title. You remember at the time he kind of tried to consider that um, New York was a home fight for Frampton? I suppose it was on the night because um, the place was rammed full of Irish fans. I think about 1,500 made the trip across, but he had all the J1ers and the, and the Irish Americans around New York. It, it packed the place out. Um, uh, so it maybe had a point that New York was nearly an away fight for him. But uh, I think he deserves an Irish passport if he can make up <laughs> such shy talk. Like, I mean, we could make that argument, but I wouldn't yeah. expect it from <laughs> from him like yeah oh. there's a fair point but it's kind of like Demetrius Andrade saying uh, oh that fight against Jason Quigley was a home fight for him because so many Irish are in that area of New England it's like it's your hometown mate like what are you on about oh that's it yeah I mean it's just that the Irish fans travelled and the, the Mexican Americans didn't really for that fight so um, the MGM Grand that night you think it was kind of 50-50 split there was a huge um, Leo, Leo was huge support that night as well remember yeah. to the left hand side of the arena as we were where we were sitting yeah, the atmosphere was was superb, and there's a great mix made by Irish and Irish and Mexican fans, and we can only hope to see it again. Like, uh, do you think do you think Leo Santa Cruz will be stripped of his WBA uh, Super World Featherweight Champion? I know we don't want to get too bogged down in boxing politics, but on March the 12th, Michael Conlon's going to fight Lee Wood, who's the current owner of the WBA World Title. Eddie Hearn says that he hopes by the time the, the fight takes place that it'll be elevated to super world champion status and that, and that Leo Santa Cruz will no longer be champion. But we know from just speaking to Leo a couple of minutes ago that the WBA seemed to have given him assurances that he's going to keep his spot and he has to defend his title against the winner of Lee Wood and, and Michael Conlon. You were around the press conferences last week and stuff like that. What's your take on the situation? Um, well, asked Eddie Hearn about the situation. Um, he said that he expects that the Conlon would fight if it's not for the super title the winner will be upgraded um, afterwards I don't know I think a lot depends on what happens with Leo next week yeah, mm. it's a comeback fight first fight in 16 months or so since being uh, routed really by Tank Davis that was a bit lightweight he's come back at super feather in a non-title fight here um, don't think is he still a super featherweight um, title holder at the minute um, I forgot to actually check that he has a WBA super title at that in 130 as well but um, no, I, I'm not. Sh- I don't think he'll be stripped. I think depends how he goes next week. Maybe he won't be able. Maybe he'll feel that you know. Maybe those extra couple of pounds I can't really do anymore. Maybe he'll think you know I perform quite well here. I can easily drop down. I read an interview with him maybe last week, 
he said he was streak weighted uh, about a month or so ago was about 156 157 and he's dropped down to 133 quite easily for yeah. for next week so I think a lot really depends on his performance how he feels after it I fully expect him to come back and win um, but you know maybe you think that maybe getting those last couple of pounds and ounces off maybe for a super featherweight fight is maybe a bit tighter than he was expecting and maybe think you know what I'm just going to try and campaign at 130 here and relinquish the belt um, it didn't sound like he wants to though I mean like he he obviously talked about you know the one super fight or super fight it's probably it's probably a trade fight um, to quote Steve Bunce or whatever but yeah. or, or whoever calls it that but uh, one big fight would have been with Gary Russell Jr who's since lost yeah. his title over the weekend there is, there, you know that that fight, that fight's gone. Like, uh, that was a featherweight fight. Maybe one of the good reasons to shave off those extra kilos and get down. I think it was. He's been calling out. He's mentioned Russ, Gary Russell's name for for quite a few years, and um, that he wanted to have a, a unification with him. That's out the window now. I watched that Gary Russell fight the other night against Mark McSow, and Russell was injured early. I think the third, fourth round, he was basically fighting he, he, basically in one arm the whole way through the fight, and it was still close. So. I could nearly think that we might see a rematch of that. In the meantime, what does Leo do? Again, I've seen interviews where he was looking to target Oscar Valdez at 130. Um, I don't think that's going to be... Well, that could still be made. You, you just don't know. It really depends how next week goes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the winner of Conlon Wood looks like they are maybe going to have to face him. I know Heron was talking about the winner of Conlon Wood would go on and fight uh, the winner of Kiko and Josh Warrington. That's for the IBF title. But... The WBA reducing all these title belts. I think by their, what they've been saying that as soon as Conlon Wood's over, the WBA regular title isn't going to exist so much. They're trying to get it down to one title. So that's mm-hmm. not going to be unification. Uh, so you're really going to have to go fight Leo and take that belt somehow to make a unification because there won't be a, uh, an IBF and WBA regular unification by the signs of it. It's a WBA. Who knows what yeah. they'll do. But from what they've said and Everything they've released, that seems to be the, the road they're going down with it. So after after this weekend five years ago, it's not as if Carl Frampton's uh, world, it's not as if Carl Frampton's pro career fell off a cliff. He had a number of, of you know, big fights afterwards. Bounced back with a win over Horacio Garcia, beating Nonito Denaire at featherweight, uh, admittedly. But, you know, Nonito Denaire is a surefire Hall of Famer. Yeah. Had the stadium fight with Luke Jackson, lost the world title fight to Josh Warrington. Had a couple of easy ones then against Tyler McCreary and Darren Trainer, and then went out uh, retired after an attempt to become a three-way world champion against Jamel Herring. So there was plenty of action in the five years since. And uh, now he's coming up to like almost a year retired. But uh, for me, it feels like that was um, that Leo Santa Cruz f- uh, second fight five years ago was the high point because I guess although there was the stadium fight, there was an air fight and all, you know, as a Southern Irish journalist, I was locked out of that fight by, you know, Frampton's management. And it just never was the same, you know, from that from that high point five years ago. Um, for me personally, that was that was a special moment. And uh, it's there. And even though he lost the fight, he performed admirably. He was brilliant in his pre-pressed, pre-press uh, engagements. Afterwards, magnanimous, you know, even though he was just shaded and he lost his O, lost his world title. He was completely magnanimous and gentlemanly. Then afterwards, I know you know as well that you know the, the Barry McGuigan, Carl Frampton axis, which had been so successful, you know that all fell apart too. So like it, so much changed in the last five years. It did. It all kind of went down the the drain on on a short <laughs> Belfast the night before a Gutierrez fight. That's yeah. really things sort of uh, really. It was nearly an omen of things to come. 
really wasn't it for the next number of years. It, um, but yeah, I suppose if you ever make the movie of it, you know, you think maybe like the fighter Mickey Ward and ever do the Gaddy fights and that, you maybe think that Frampton's one's going to end maybe at the MGM Grand that night, you know, that let's uh, kind of skip over that maybe last part of the career or so because, yeah, it seemed it got to the very top then. And as you mentioned, Dick, it, the only way it kind of was down, I know there was, I mean, he was expected to beat Warrington by a lot of people across, but it just didn't happen on the night. Um, Warrington was phenomenal and the herring one was just really a step too far. Um, yeah. After all they've gone with it, you know, the broken hand, the pillar coming down in Philadelphia and just bled about a lot of bad luck maybe in the last year or so. COVID yeah, and the fight against Herring at Windsor didn't happen and ends up in Dubai in a tent. In a, in a tent, yeah, on a bazaar. Just black screen all around the, all around the ring and going out, yeah, went out kind of with a whimper at the time. Do you th- how do you think Michael Conlon is placed to succeed him? Because... You know, he's making a good fist of it so far, unbeaten in 16 fights, you know, f- fighting for a world title. And, um, he- you know, he's headlined back in Belfast. Those failing nights are, are sensational atmospheres, kind of much like, you know, Frampton had his atmospheres and his fans. And maybe Frampton was a different kind of appeal to maybe a different kind of cohort in Belfast. But nonetheless, Conlon is massively popular and he's doing quite well. How do you think he's doing a doing a making as a fist of succeeding Carl Frampton in that sphere? Um, he's been the the feeling nights um, this year was kind of limited just because of um, restrictions and so on. But yeah, his popularity's definitely exploded in the city over the last number of years. Um, you think his first fight back at the Odyssey, there wasn't a huge crowd there that night. Um, but ten thousand, I think, against Ruiz, it's the first feeling nights only hit there, but they could have done easily um, double that. I think the demand for it. But yeah, I think a lot comes down to really what happens against Lee Wood. You know, Mick's thirty now. Um, he's it's kind of he's got to start doing this now. I mean, a, a big win against Lee Wood that really sets him on for those massive nights, those massive fights, and um, these big headline bills. Your names up in lights, maybe in Las Vegas, back in Madison Square Garden in the big room headlining. And um, that's really that's kind of where you build your legacy, there, isn't it? And, and those kind of super fights and and if you if you can get Santa Cruz in the ring as well, because Santa Cruz has such name recognition in Ireland. As a two-time op- opponent of Carl Frampton, he's a nice guy, and but maybe he's maybe he's slightly over the hill as a featherweight. You know that is yet to be tested that theory, but he probably you know he's a lot of miles in the tank, and uh, if he can fight Leo Santa Cruz, what like that would be that would be helpful to making the legend of the name as well. Like, I, I love that fight actually. Just mm. the, as a matchup, I think it's absolutely phenomenal. It's Leo's all action style against mix slick boxing, switch hitting. Can dig hard to the body as well. I think Mick doesn't get the credit um, for for his body work. I think that's a really lovely fight, and that's it's those kind of names. You think, but Frampton would really kind of help him sell at the Odyssey the first time was Kigo because Irish fans all knew about Kigo Martinez because of Bernard Dunn. That fight, of course, his first one against Kigo, and it took a while for it to get on. There was a couple of false starts. Um, do with Kiko at the time but yeah you kind of need that name recognition to really kind of bring in I suppose the casual fans the the event junkies the people that kind of maybe only go to maybe one or two boxing shows a year they're kind of into the big major fights and those big names really help um, build a legacy and build your own profile I think the Santa Cruz one's perfect and it really could be a phenomenal fight a phenomenal 12 round battle Um We'll see how that goes, but it looks like it could well happen this year. Should all go well for Conlon and Nottingham. Um, Most importantly, Dave, it's another excuse for us to get back to Las Vegas. It that's, is. That's what it's all about. I vowed I'd never go back after the last one. I think I, I'm not too sure. I said it would need a very, very good reason to go back, but um, that might just be it. Well, then 
you know, you get onto your contacts, I'll get onto mine, and we'll try and get that set up for New York instead because that's a nice little halfway house. Yeah, we'll halfway. Go, house. We'll go see a play instead, you know, and then we'll be shopping. All right. Well, look, uh, thank you so much to David Mohan from Belfast Media Group for joining us today on the Rocky Road to discuss all of this. And thanks also to Leo Santa Cruz and his people at Swanson PR for setting up the interview. Great. Enjoyed my time speaking to him. It's been a long time. So, yeah, um, enjoyed that one. And thanks, lads. Much appreciated. Cheers. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.